That's the sound of a day starting out right. I hear it every time my new Toro Z-Master 4000 Zero Turn starts up. With big-time horsepower, giant Voodoo track tires, Turbo Force deck, and comforts like MyRide and USB ports, it's fully loaded to mow all day long while delivering that signature Toro cut. From start to finish, this beast means business. Get your Z-Master 4000 today. Toro. Count on it. It's Friday. It's Weissman and Oz. We're back at you. Well, number to call is 1605-562-8001. Press 5 to join the conversation. The one person that will join the conversation today is? Uh, it is going to be Art or Arthur, or however he likes to be referred. I still don't know. Arthur Staple of Newsday. Uh, he covers the Islanders for Newsday. Uh, we had him on. He was our This might be the best show we've ever done, only because it might trump the one that we had Art on uh, last December. So uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about, obviously, the coaching change, that interim tag being lifted from Doug Waits' uh, repertoire. If you, if, uh, so we're going to talk about the young players. We're going to talk about the goalie situation, Stephen, although there is one less goalie to talk of to discuss this time. So That is Jeff Berube. Yes, correct. So we will, um, I will discuss that. And obviously, we have a, young, a lot of young players that we need to talk about. Um, as well, and obviously, the most Tavares and the Belmont most, situation. The most I mean, important. we can't forget about that. But yeah, I'm excited for Stape to come back on the show. Um, but first, there is a lot to discuss today. aside from the hockey talk. There is a lot to discuss today. Um, Stephen, fan of ours, uh, team, or excuse me, we're we're fans of the team of of the bad baseball team in New York. Unfortunately, um, it's looking more and more like Terry Collins will not be back. Um, Mark Craig wrote a, of Newsday, a lot of Newsday coming up today. Mark Craig wrote an article yesterday about uh, how Fred Wilpon basically had to protect Terry Collins from being fired by Jeff and Sandy Olgerson. So it's you know it looks intimate that Terry Collins will not be back this season or this upcoming season. So he will end as the longest tenured uh, Mets manager in the history of the franchise, which is really incredible to me. And you know what? I give Terry Collins a lot of credit with what he's done in, for this organization. This team, when he was hired to be the manager in 2009, this team was opening up at City Field. This team, wait, was it in 2010? It was in 2010, correct? Yes. So that was when Sandy Alderson and Terry Collins were hired, and this team was not good in 2010. I mean... No, I mean, they were a mess. I, we, we know that. They were a mess. And, you know, he brought them back to a winning culture. We've heard nothing but good things from his players. And, you know, Terry Collins was always known as the guy, a, a good guy, a good developmental developmental coach, a guy that's good with the young players that will motivate them to do better. And he's obviously, you know, done a great job. He brought this team to a World Series two years ago. I mean, he's had... Doesn't a, that seem like a lifetime ago already? It's sad, man. It's it was just a couple days ago. Years. They quit the NLE. It's been two, Stephen, it's been two years we we how stupid were we, Stephen? You and I and a lot of other people. This is this is gonna be something. This is gonna be an incredible run, an incredible dynasty. This pitching staff bring back Yoannis. Daniel Murphy's finally turned the corner. We were we were fooled. It was it's unbelievable how how Jekyll and Hyde this team had been in the last couple of years, and it's all and the it's era sad. is over. It's more sad than anything, but I'm I'm curious to see what the organization plans on doing this off season, especially with bringing in a new manager, you know, maybe a guy such as Bob Melvin 
or the guy, uh, Rod, Rod Gardenhire. I know he's had connections with the Sandy Alderson. Heyman put on, who's inside the Mets more than anyone I know, um, or know of, excuse me. Um, Heyman put out a, a list of 12 guys. You know, it was the Chip Hales, it was the Dick Scotts, it was the Gardenhires, as you just said. I even saw Brad Ausmus on, on that list, too, is currently managing the Tigers, even though I mean, they're, they're still- a disaster. So, um, Brad Ausmus? Don't don't look at me like that. We we why do we always have to agree to? Uh, oh my God! Hey, now you realize you were wrong. Yeah. yeah? All right. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you. Um. So we'll see. I mean, not open to the manager, Stephen. It it depends. It's all about the players. Like the manager can, you know, be as good or as bad as as they can possibly be. But it's all about the players, and it's all about the health of the players. So if this team, and you know what, my brother asked me today while we we're in the car listening uh, to the radio. And, you said, do you, do you think the Mets could have made a run if they were healthy? Yeah. What For what reason did I not think that they could not they couldn't make a run if they were healthy? If they had a healthy Syndergaard, you know, if they had a healthy Harvey, even though if he if he was healthy, I don't know what to make of Matt Harvey. Will he he'll be back next year? But will he be back in the bullpen next? Year? Will he be back as a bullpen uh, pitcher or as a starter next year? Stephen Matz, I've told you in the past, Stephen, that I think his future is in the bullpen. Zach Wheeler, we don't know. There's a lot of questions with this surrounding this team. I don't know if they were healthy, they could have made a run. I mean, that's all, you know, good things that we thought were going to be good things. I think next year is the window, in my honest opinion. They have a lot of young guys now, and Ahmed Rosario and Dominic Smith, who I think are going to be the big pieces of this team within the next 10 years. You know, everyone thought this pitching, this, you know, pitching rotation was going to be the backbone of this team. Look what happened. And what the one guy you can count on is Jacob DeGrom. He's the only guy out of the five to six guys that you plan on counting on in the beginning of the season that stayed healthy, that's been consistent and dominant the whole entire season. Not only this season, last season, the season prior to that. You know, who's been Mr. Reliable? Jacob DeGrom. And that's all. That's it. The one sad scenario from this team season was – I mean, it started off as a high with Michael Conforto, and the fact that he had, uh, he finally came into his, came into himself with the potential that he had, or he came into his own, and then he gets hurt, and now this injury is, you know, he said that the doctor said he'll be back to normal. It's just a matter of when. Brandon Nimmo has looked really good in the opportunity that he has gotten. Um, will he be a factor next year? They they traded for for Aoki, so now they have every excuse not to spend the money to bring back Jay Bruce. And, you know, let's go back to the letter, Stephen, that the fans sent uh, the season t- the PR guy for the season ticket holders of the New York Mets. Why would I spend? Obviously, all the dirty words are in there and everything. Why would I spend money on a team that traded all their good players, Bruce Walker, to shed salary that they're not even gonna spend? Stephen, if they go out in this offseason and don't break out the checkbook for a Mustakis or for a Todd Frazier or to bring back a Jay Bruce, or to bring in a, dare I say you, Darvish, I'm going to, I will be screaming to the rooftops if it's February or March, and we're going in with Shubal Cabrera at third base, Jose Reyes at second base, Norio Yoki at right uh, That's not going to happen, Errol. You know, I think this team will have some money to play with. I think the biggest concern is the bullpen, which we knew was going to be the biggest Achilles heel in the off season, last off season, clearly that wasn't fixed. But I think Sandy Alderson understands that 
that's a really big issue for this team. And also the starting pitching. You know, we just talked about it, but this team needs to sign a starting pitcher, a reliable 200-inning starting pitcher. Someone might say Bartolo Colon. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that ship is sailed. That ship obviously has sailed, but... His ship has sailed us, too. I, I think he's uh, starting to look 45. Yeah, he looks better in a uh, Twins uniform than a Brave. We'll say, I'll say that. But, uh, listen, we, we're going to have all winter. Excuse yeah, all winter to discuss. I almost forgot what season it was. All fall and winter to discuss the events, because God knows we're not going to be talking about them in October uh, of any relevancy anytime soon. So, But right now, Stephen... Let's get into some Isles hockey. I, there's something you pointed out to me that I actually had no idea. 88 and a half points was what Vegas put out there. And you were telling me that people are picking the under. People are picking the Islanders to be in the bottom of the – where did you see that? I've seen it on NHL.com. I've seen it on all these ho- these hockey rumor reps- websites, all these experts' predictions that the Islanders are going to be on the bottom of that metro. And you know what? There's a lot of – factors that are going to go into it with the Tavares contract situation. Is that going to be a distraction? Where is this team going to play after this season? Because the, the Islanders have a, have a clause in their contract with their lease with Barclays Center that they can get out of the contract next year. So that's obviously a big concern and we will have to see what happens. But yeah, and I don't think this team necessarily is going to be as bad as as you just transcribed from from other sources, obviously. And but if this team goes out and gets off to a hot start, it's just going to add to their confidence. Because Stephen, we not only saw this team play well after Doug Waite went in as, as interim head coach. Now, obviously, the interim tag is removed, and he's the official full time head coach. We saw a spark from this team. This team looked flat, but while while Jack Capion, it looked flat. They came out flat. The goal, you know, was going out the goalie situation. This team came out with a spark, and I made the analogy last week. Um, I know it's two two different sports, but look at the difference of Jared Goff and the Rams from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay. Look at the difference between the Islanders from Jack Capuano and Wade. Doug Waite. It's night and day. So. What will this season bring? I think it all depends on what Doug Waite brings, if it's a spark for this team like he did last season. I mean, look what he did in the 40 games that he coached. You have the numbers? Yeah, it's 20. This Islanders team went 24-12-4 and four in Doug Waite's short tenure as interim co- head coach. And I'm excited to see the what culture change, if there's a culture change, which clearly, clearly there was. I mean, it was no coincidence. Capuano goes in. Or excuse me, if you want to go out, weight goes in. This team all of a sudden just looks alive in games, game after game. You watch more than I do, obviously. Yeah, but I was pulling you, – you heard my rant last year <laughs> on Jack Capuano when the Panthers fired their their head coach, uh, Gallant, and Jack Capuano was still the coach at that time. You know, Gallant has a, a better history of – coaching than Jack Capuano. I was screaming for Gallant to coach this Islanders team, who's now the head coach of Vegas. But at the end of the day, Jack Capuano is not the head coach anymore. And yeah, thank Lord. I, mean, I, I, think I, team, I honestly think this team is much better off in Doug Ward's hand. Yeah, I mean, and if it's not the numbers, it tells you that it's it's the eye test. 
Just look, just look at how they play. Just look at their style of play. Now, another thing that sparked this team last year, I really do believe, was the uh, the call up of Hosang. We knew this kid had ta- had talent. It was just about the maturity. Obviously, he made the joke about um, the new college team not having any stairs. You know, we remember the whole stairs thing. Capuano being late to practice, oversleeping. You know, he was a kid. He's a kid. I mean, how old is he? I think he's nineteen. Nineteen years. Old. I mean, he's younger than you and I. So. He's grown up, hopefully. I mean, uh, some some athletes in this town just, you know, don't grow up. <laughs> 13. Anyway, um, just throw some shade out there. I, I, I'm I still aggravated. We'll get into that later on in the show after we have Staple. But, That's a whole um, other discussion. I don't even want to talk. We're going to have a whole conversation. He just tweeted that. out, actually. This world, I quote, this world is a crazy place, end quote. I don't know what that means, but um, I don't know. So, it, yeah. So, uh, what was that? Oh, Hosein. Um, and we're going to see Barzal up this year. Barzal, obviously, Stephen, how many games did he play last year? Barzal played two or three games. I actually saw his first NHL game in Washington opening night. His first NHL shift, he took a penalty. And then he, as he was coming out of the penalty box, he took another penalty as he put his stick right on the ice, playing the puck while he was in the box. Oh, God. So, you know, I'm looking for a better you know, season from Matthew Barzal. I'm excited to see what happens with him. But, Errol? And we, um, we it is 2.15 versus 2.16. That same difference. Um, Art Staple is back with us today. Art Staple of Newsday he covers the Islanders. Uh, everything Isles for Newsday. Art, how you been? Arthur? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, guys. How are you? How you doing, Arthur? <laughs> I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, um... Um, Art, obviously, last time we spoke, to, and thank you again for taking time out of uh, taking time out of the day to come talk to us. Obviously, we know how crazy it must be with the season only less than a week away. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's getting there, but anytime. So, always good to talk about the Islanders. Of course, um, Art. Last time we talked to you was you know December of last season. This team was in the cellar of the Metro Division. Uh, Capuano obviously was the coach, and just this team was flat. You bring in, they brought in Doug Waite, put him as the interim coach. You, you saw that spark. You saw some sort of culture change. What kind of culture change did he bring into this locker room that trans um, that transpired to immediate success for this team? You know, it's uh, it was an interesting transformation. Obviously, Doug was not uh, necessarily a new voice for these guys. You know, he played with he played with a couple of them and coached uh, all of them for a couple of years as an assistant coach. So. Uh, there was certainly it wasn't really a situation of needing a that new voice. I just think, um, you know, Jack Capuano had been there for seven years. That's a long time for any professional coach, and uh, you know, obviously with the limited amount of success that the team had, um, it did seem like Jack was kind of relying on on some guys who just weren't performing that first half of the year. And I think Doug just had a bit of a fresher perspective and. And, uh, you know, when you're an assistant coach, it, it is a bit different than being the head coach. You, you're kind of more of a confidant to the players. You're not the one running the show. And, um, you know, I think Doug brought some new ideas, just a, a different style that he wanted to play, a little bit more aggressive uh, rather than trying to kind of, uh, you know, rope teams in and, and counterattack. He wanted to be, he wanted his team to, to be up on the play and uh, be able to transition quickly and cut down on, shots against and chances against, which had been a, a huge issue for them in the first half of the season and even going back a couple seasons when they had, still had success. So, you know, that stuff is, is can be difficult to implement in the middle of the year, and they obviously 
took it and ran with it, and I think that was more a testament to how much the team was underachieving the first half of the year, that they were able to, to turn it around so quickly and, and almost pull off a miracle comeback and make the playoffs. And I think now, uh, as we go into this season, he's got his own coaching staff in there, uh, you know, keeping Greg Cronin, who was, a, who was a, you know, he'd said often was a, a good uh, voice on the bench for him. So Greg is still there, and uh, and a pretty star-studded new staff of assistant coaches and a new goalie coach. Uh, you know, I think it's it's really Doug's uh, team and Doug's uh, coaching staff, and uh, you know, having the full training camp for the players to understand the way that he wants them to play, and uh, a few wrinkles that he's put in over the summer and thinking about things. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can carry it over uh and really the most important thing is just to, to that first month of the season to get off to a good start because everybody on this organization knows that that was the killer for them last year now or uh, last year obviously the goal goaltending situation wasn't the best Yaroslav Halak got sent down to the minors Thomas Garz got worn out and obviously we all know what happened with JF Berube I don't think the three-goalie situation really worked out, but how do you see the goalie situation shaping up now? Do you think one guy will take the reins or will wait play the hot hand? What's your opinion? You know, that uh, we put a lot of blame, and certainly people in my position, a lot of the fans, <clears throat> excuse me, put a lot of blame on Jack Capuano, but really when we talk about the, the goaltending situation and the way that they started last season, that was really a front office Garth no decision. I think... Uh, you know, there was definitely, as we saw as the season went on, there was definitely some friction between Yara Halak and the and the organization about the way things were going. Uh, and really, you know, maybe, <clears throat> whether it was vindictiveness, whether it was real caution over uh, the injuries that kept cropping up for Halak in 2015-16, uh, you know, Garth Snow insisted on keeping that third goalie around and not risking putting J.F. Brube through waivers. And that, that caused a lot of problems for Jack Capuano and kept him from having the, the, the full complement of skaters that he really wanted. So just to get at that part out of the way, um, you know, I think that third goalie being gone now, um, uh, you know, Thomas Grice seems pretty <clears throat> unfazed by everything. He's just a very happy-go-lucky guy. He, you know, he's intense, but, but also very laid back. I think for Halak, it's going to make the biggest difference. And really, you know, when he got sent to the minors last year, uh, I think he had kind of a kind of an awakening. You know, I think he realized he gets paid well. Um, he's still doing what he loves, and uh, you know, he's bounced around quite a bit in his career. And maybe that, you know, you get to be a little bit older, and you finally realize that uh, there's no point in being in being frustrated by things that are out of your control. Just focus on one thing, and that's playing well. And he really did that in Bridgeport. And when he came back, he was fantastic. You know, if they had made the playoffs, it would have been you know primarily due to his play. So, uh, you know, I think he's carried that feeling into this year. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen until they really get on the ice for the games that count. But certainly, so far through training camp, Halak and Grice have been amazingly good. And, uh, you know, you can't really credit the, the new goalie coach, Fred Brathwaite, really hasn't done a whole lot with them. But I think these are two veteran guys who've never really had a chance to just be the, the two goalies in there. You know, since Grice has been here, Halak's been uh, in and out of the lineup with injuries and being sent down. So, you know, I think this is uh, this is a good pairing Personality-wise, um, it's a good pairing for the team to see who's going to be the, the hot goalie that plays. My feeling has been all along that, that Halak is still the guy who has the edge when they're both fully healthy and playing well, that he's a guy who can raise his game to a level where he steals games. And, uh, you know, Grice is fantastic as well and has been had some big moments certainly in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But I think, you know, if it's a 1A, 1A 1B situation and Halak gets – 
55 games and Grice gets, you know, 27, I think that would be kind of the outer edge. I think you look more at, you know, 50 and 32 or something along those lines. And, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be ideal for them. And really, uh, to talk about them first is, is smart because those guys are really the, the key, I think. You know, this team has some talent, but there's a lot of teams in the East with talent. I think what makes a difference is having goaltending that can elevate your, your the rest of your talent to a higher level, and that's what Halak did in 2014-15, and, and you'd hope for their sake that they can do it again this year. Uh, again, we're talking about Art Staple of Newsday, covers the Islanders, uh, covers the Islanders for Newsday. Art, there's a lot of young players on this team, a lot of young players, former first-round picks, uh, Bavoulier, Hosang, uh, who's actually – he had – let's talk about Hosang. He had success at this level last season, four goals, six assists, but we saw the potential and the skill set with him. He's become the early favorite to win the Rookie of the Year. Um, and Barzell, obviously, we saw last season, didn't play much. But this preseason, we saw we see the potential with him and how good he can be. Which young player do you see having the biggest impact for this team this season? You know, to be honest, I think it could be Barzell. Uh, you know, Hosang is a is a unique talent, and he's a unique young man. I think, uh, you know, I think when you talk to him, you realize that uh, a lot's been made of the things that he said in the past when he was even younger and maybe a little brasher. Um, and you know, even thinking of last year, the way that he handled uh, the the non-controversy of wearing number 66, uh, you know, getting questioned about that uh, just days after being called up, um, I think he uh, he did a nice job with that. And and uh, he's just a he's just a, a smart guy who really loves to play the game, and I think that shows in the way that he plays on the ice. But to me, Barzal being a center, being a guy who's already been installed by Doug Waite and Kelly Bookberger and Scott Gomez as uh, kind of the pivot guy on uh, on that first power play unit, and that certainly seems like how it's going to start the year. Um, this is a guy who's uh, who's got some dynamic speed and dynamic playmaking ability, and, and I think, you know, Hosang, there's a little bit of a book on him from last year, just having those 21 games, and, you know, I think uh, I think he's a guy who, who still has some things to learn about away from the puck and and just uh, you know, strength and, and digging into the corners and being doing the things that a winger has to do. Um, but to me, Barzal might be the key. If he's a guy, if he starts the year, like I said, on the top power play unit, playing second line, third line between Andrew Ladd and Josh Bailey, who are established guys, who are you know guys that contributed to to the Islanders' offense last year. If if he can fill that role and and be a you know 17, 18 minute a night guy right from the start and and show no fear and no hesitation with his creativity as he's done in the preseason then uh and i think this team really has something uh you know something they really haven't had since john Tavares has been here and that's a, a a true number two center who's a playmaking threat who has to draw the attention of uh, an opposing team's best defenseman at times leaving room for Tavares or best of checking forwards i think uh you know, I think John Tavares has always been the guy that everyone looks at and says, we've got to stop that guy. If there's one or two other guys now on this roster that Barzal could be, that Hosang could be, um, you know, igniting the second and third lines, I think uh, I think this team could be really dangerous. Now, getting into the defense, um, obviously a guy named Ryan Pulak, who's been in the organization for quite a couple of years now, hasn't seems to make his way into the big big league right now, but... Do you think Pulak has you know, done enough in camp to deserve a spot on opening night? I mean, his big shot would definitely help tremendously on the power play, which is a big concern. How do you see this defense shaping up? 
You know, it's interesting with, with just kind of the fact with him and Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield, uh, you know, they've always had option, at least one waiver-eligible, uh, you know, waiver-exempt guy out of those three, and now uh, that it looks like they're keeping all three uh, to start the season, um, I imagine that, uh, you know, there's, there's been a little bit more scrutiny on those guys, and, and I think naturally there's more scrutiny on Pulak because he's had such, such success at the AHL level he had, some success in the playoff series against the Panthers a couple of years ago before getting hurt. And I think a lot of the fans have been clamoring for him to be there for a long time. Um, you know, so the focus I think is a little bit more on him than on the other two guys. And I think he's had an okay camp. I think it's, it's been better than some of his camps in, in recent years where he's been a bit, a bit of a slow starter. Um, you know, I don't think he's fantastic in his own end. I think that's just the way he is. He's, he's really a guy who, you know, has the big shot and, and tries to utilize that a lot. And that's, Good to do at the AHL level, but I think what Doug Waite wants to see from him is is kind of uh, you know a little bit more deceptiveness coming up in the play, faking the shot and mo- or moving into position to to provide some more offense. And I think it'll come. He, he's uh, he's just you know you have to build confidence uh, as a young guy getting into the league, especially as a defenseman. And there's a lot of responsibilities, so it's maybe taking a little bit more time with him than people would have liked. But he's certainly going to get his opportunity. It seems like there's really no clear cut. Uh, guy that Doug Wade has picked for that sixth spot on defense, at least to start the season. You know, I think Dennis Seidenberg is is kind of a known quantity. He's paired well with Calvin DeHaan in the past. I imagine they're going to start that way, and really that uh, that spot on the right side with Thomas Hickey is the one that's that's a bit open right now. But uh, there's always injuries. You know, the Islanders have used nine or ten or even eleven or twelve defensemen in a lot of years in recent memory. So um, these guys are going to get their opportunity. It's not a matter of sitting around and waiting for it. Uh, it's definitely going to come, and we'll see who the first one is out of the gate. It might not, you know, opening night in Columbus and then the next night back home in Buffalo, it'll probably be two different guys for those two nights just to sort of see, you know, get a little bit more evaluation in from Doug Wade and the coaching staff. So even if Ryan Pulak's not in there on opening night, I imagine he'll get his turn at some point uh, in that first month of the season, and he's really got to grab it and run with it. Now, our two questions that have been looming for the past year now is where this team's going to play for the long term and long-term contract of their best player, John Tavares. Do these two things go hand-in-hand? Does Tavares' contract come when the long-term situation settled with the Islanders? Is it it Belmont? Is it Barclays? Where do you see uh, the situation going? Yeah, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think it's the only consideration, but I think it is a, a pretty big consideration for John Tavares. I think he wants to know, uh, you know, it's it, uh, this decision is where they're going to play uh, resolves a lot of questions that people around the league and fans and whomever have about this franchise. It's to me, it speaks to the credibility of the team whether they can find a place that's their own to play, um, call it their own home. They can change it however they want they can make it however they want they've never had that opportunity uh it'll you know to have it be on long island to to appease the the core of their fan base um a lot of there's a lot of things that go into it and it's it you know when you think about it on that level i think it makes a bit more sense that john Tavares hasn't jumped right in to sign an eight-year extension he he wants to see where this organization that you know if he commits for eight more years that's you know that's a full NHL career right there, and that's you know staking your claim as this is an organization that's worth being a part of, and uh, you know staying around for the long term. And you know I know on Twitter it's not always the most coherent argument, but a lot of fans want to say why would he stay? Why would he stay? I think he wants to be the guy 
that raises Stanley Cup over his head, uh, you know, and takes it on a tour around Long Island somewhere. Who knows where that would be? But um, that's the way he looks at it, and uh, he's a loyal, committed guy, and the Islanders are committed to him. So it's uh, it's just an interesting stage of the franchise to be at right now. And, uh, you know, I think that's a consideration, seeing what happens the first couple months of the season. And that, you know, I think John Tavares feels that he controls some of that by the way that he can play and lead the team as the captain. So I think that's a bit less of a consideration or less of a, something that's out of his control that he wants to see uh, come to fruition. So, they, you know, they've gotten through the RFP process. The Islanders submitted a bid. I don't know. You know, I think Newsday reported that there were at least two other bids, one of them by NYCFC. That seems a bit half-hearted, I guess you'd call it, that they're not, it's not really their ideal location. So, you know, from the outside, it looks like the Islanders bid is the one that's the most appealing and has some big backers in, uh, you know, the Oakview Group, which is run by Madison Square Garden and Sterling Properties, which uh, is run by the Mets owners. So we'll have to see. You know, it's uh, unfortunately, it's not a quick decision by the New York State. It's going to take a while, which means I think John Tavares is going to wait a little while and see what happens. Um, and uh, that doesn't really make anybody too happy that's watching the Islanders. But uh, I think it's, the, you know, you, you worry about it being a distraction as the season goes on, the way to dispel those possibilities of it being a distraction is to win some games and uh, and make this team the sort of successful team that he wants to be a part of and that other people in the future will want to be a part of and uh, and just make the arena the icing on the cake. So, you know, I think uh, I think it's it's certainly it, looking back to the end of last season, it's a surprise to me uh 5 months later that that we are where we are where he didn't really want to sign, but I think the Islanders are willing to, to ride out the whole season and right up to July 1 with him because that's how badly they want him to be here. So perhaps there will be some good news on the arena front uh, sometime before then, uh, and that to me would mean there would be good news on the John Tavares contract extension front as well. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what happens with that situation. But last but not least, Arthur, Vegas has this team winning 88, the over-under at 88.5 points. Do you see this team you know, winning more or less? What are your thoughts? You know, that seems a little low to me. Uh, I think it was someone, a fan on Twitter pointed out when I tweeted that uh, that link to the uh, the Bovada projections, and, and obviously those are not just pulled out of thin air. When there's when Vegas and there's money involved, it's it's a pretty serious assessment. So it's you know I don't take it lightly, and uh, and fans shouldn't either. But um, you know I think one fan responded appropriately. What, exactly what I was thinking is that. 88 points means the whole thing gets torn down. Tavares probably leaves, even if they get a new arena. Garth Snow is fired. They start over in the front office, um, and they're back to square one. And that I don't really see happening. And, you know, there's not a lot of teams to me in the East that are, as we sit right now, dead in the water. I think you can you can pick off maybe the Devils or not be uh, won't won't have jumped up very much. Um, Buffalo maybe is not quite as improved as they should be. Detroit seems to be on the on the way down, but I think everybody after that can legitimately say we've got a team that can make the playoffs. Some some of those teams, you know, uh, there's a dozen teams that could probably say if things break right, we could break 100 points and or be a first or second place team in our, in our division. I I don't think you can just say, well, you know, the arena is going to be a distraction and John Tavares isn't really focused and they don't they haven't done enough otherwise. I think they have done quite a bit. You know, Jordan Everly is a big upgrade over Ryan Strom. I think it's going to be addition by subtraction with Travis Hamanick, who really had a struggle last year, even though he's you know was such an important emotional part of the team. 
Um, and I think these young guys are not as uh, unproven and, and uh, you know, question marks as, as maybe some other people think. So, um, you know, and then as we said, kind of started it off, the goaltending is obviously important, and I think they've got they've got those two guys in the right frame of mind and the right place physically and mentally to, to succeed. So, you know, I think a lot will be determined by what happens in this first six weeks of the season. It kind of was the killer for them last year, and you think back to 2014-15 when they got off to such an amazing start and then flattened out a bit, and they still were able to get over 100 points. So, to me, if they're, uh, you know, 10-5 and five after the first 15 games or 11-4, and four, uh, then yeah, I think this is uh, this is not just a playoff team, but a team that can contend. I think uh, you know they a lot of the guys in the room point to the Predators last year who finished with the same amount of points as them, and that was a team that squeaked in and got on a roll, and and obviously came within a couple of games with a Stanley Cup. So um, you know the East is very tough, and their division is extremely tough. Uh, you know Washington and Pittsburgh maybe take steps minor steps back this year. Columbus is still a bit of a wild card even after a great season, and. Uh, Carolina's a team on the rise, and you look over in the Atlantic, Toronto, Tampa should be up near the top. Ottawa's a good team again. Uh, Montreal has their goaltender that's, uh, that always makes them dangerous. So there's there's a lot of teams to jump over, and there's going to be a lot of tight games. But uh, to me, yeah, 88 is, is is a pretty low assessment. Even, even 92 or 93, to me, might be low. It doesn't necessarily mean a guaranteed playoff spot, but I think this team is certainly good enough to – to contend and be in a six, seven, eight position at the end of the year in the conference, and that to me means you're a contender as long as you get in. Well, Art, we appreciate you taking time to talk to us. We're all excited for the season and what this uh, what this season brings, and uh, it should be fun. Young team uh, with some veteran leadership and uh, Doug Wade bringing the spark, and it should be fun. We we appreciate you coming on with us today, Art. You got it, guys. Thanks a lot. Anytime. Thanks Thank a lot. Hope to talk to you soon. All right, our staple of Newsday, Stephen, a lot of inter- uh, interesting stuff. Um, 88 and a half, that, the fact that he, I thought it was too low too, but him even saying 93 and a half might be a little too low um, surprised me. The one thing I did point out, I didn't want to call him out for it. He mentioned every single team in the Metro. Pittsburgh and Washington may take a couple steps back. Carolina could be improved. There was one team he didn't mention. There was two teams he didn't mention in that division. Oh. Um, the the Rangers and the Flyers. So yeah. um, I was surprised. I wanted to hear his, his slight synopsis on it. But uh, Steve, we're going to get back after this uh, commercial, and we're going to get into our NFL picks and squeak in a little bit of baseball as next week starts the playoffs. Yankees, Twins, Diamondbacks, and the Missouri team. Maybe Colorado. Maybe Colorado. Looking more and more like Colorado. So we'll discuss after this. Why should I not have Sports Network? Introducing the s Podcast Channel. Your one-stop source for all types of podcasts. We are always on the look for new podcasts to join our channel. If there is any topic you would like to discuss, contact us now. We can be reached on all social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. You can also contact us by email or leave us a voicemail at 516-570-9248. So make sure to contact us now so you can start your podcast soon. Western and Oz back with you on a Friday. If you were listening before, that was Arthur Staple. I am the beat writer of Newsday. The number to listen is 1605-562-8001. Press 5 if you want to join the conversation. Yes, and Staple touched on a couple of really interesting points with the Islanders, especially with the uh, over-under being very, very low. And I know our Rob... Our friend Rob Taub has this team pictured at what? 107 points. Which I think is a little bit high, if you ask me. I walked out of the... We were at the Belmore Street Fair, Steve, and I walked out of my seat and walked away. Come on! 
I'm not trying to be biased. I don't think the Rangers are going to get to 107 points. I think they'll both be around 100. Like what was uh, uh, a couple years ago, the year that the, the Islanders won the first playoff series, was one team was 101, one team was 99 or 100, or, or they were basically right next to each other in the standings. Right. That's where they're going to be at. I, you know what? I think Arthur was right when he said it all comes down to goaltending. It comes down to how Arctic and the Reigns, and, you know, this team providing good defense with that. And the improvements of, you know, Joshua Hosang and guys like Matt Barzal, Anthony Bavoglia, yada, yada, yada. And one thing that did interest me, he was talking about Barzal to be the second-line center this team's needed. Not to say neglect Brock Nelson, but, you know, we saw that one year of 30 goals of Brock Nelson. Ever since then, you've seen him decline. Not declining, I don't want to say declining because he's not old, but, you know, you haven't seen him. you haven't seen an improvement from him. He's bad on the defensive side. So, Barzal, he... He looks fun. I'm going to say that this team looks fun, Stephen. I'm not going to lie. From a from a Rangers fan perspective, from a far off perspective, now I watch this team every day. This team looks fun. But well, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, we're less than a week away. Actually, funny thing is, a week from today is Islanders opening night. Well, as they open up in Columbus, it is going to be fun, Stephen. I cannot wait. You know what else I can't wait for? Because you know I love it so much. What? <laughs> I love hockey. Our stable is fantastic. As always. As always. This is the second time we had it. You know what time it is. It's time. You don't look too happy about it, Bletcher. I'm just, I, I'm just ready for hockey. Uh, I mean, uh, after this giant season, Errol, we're 0-3. This team is playing Tampa. And we're going to start off with that. Let's just get it over. Let's rip the bandage off, Steven. This they're, team is in Tampa. They're three-point underdogs. Weissman, I'll let you go first. Where is this team headed? Where's I, my music? Go ahead. It's hard because Tampa did not look good last last week. But Tampa's going to be angry. Obviously, the Giants should be even more angry after losing three points. Uh, losing three games in a row. Sorry. And I do think... This, you really still are in hockey mode. I am. Losing three points. I do think this Odell, Odell Beckham thing from last week... Becomes a little oh, bit of a distraction. Oh, for this no, team. I got. I hope not. This team's about to go zero and four, and I'm gonna just go Tampa Bay. I, I, I can't do it. They made Case Keenum look like Joe Montana. I could not believe it. They had that one. Listen, they got Gerald McCoy, um, obviously on the line. That's the one guy that scares me on that defense. Levante David looks doubtful. Um, T.J. Ward looks doubtful, and the guy name is escaping me. The linebacker. The I heard he was a star on the um, Hard Knocks. He is out officially. I'm going to get the name on that, but they're desperate. they got to be desperate. Just a fun fact, Errol. You know who I have picked once so far in our pick room? Who? The Giants. Uh, you picked them week one against the Cowboys. No, oh, I no, picked Dallas. Not. That's right. You I did... have not picked the Giants once this week. Except at Belmore Street Fair when you picked, the, picked them against the Lions. So. Okay. <laughs> True. This is literally fourth. So um, that's one, one and two right there. All right, whatever. Anyway, um, give me the Giants plus three on the road in Tampa. I'm looking for the Giants' offense to look to reflect on the fourth quarter and translate to that success. Come on, let's go. See what we got next. Give it to me. Should we just go to the local? Yeah, we'll do the Jets last. Yeah, we'll do the Jets last. We got the Saints in Miami. Saints are the favorite by three points. Except it's in London, but nice try. Yeah, true. Let me go first on this one because Miami cost me a lunch. Uh, cost me a lunch last week. Although we do always try to lunch because Aaron Judge did eclipse the 50 home run mark. Give me the Saints. Give me the better offense. You know, 
someone was arguing with me today. You know, the Dolphins' defense is better than the Saints. They're both bad. Then what's the difference? I mean, come on. So give me the Saints on the on the both on the road, but uh, especially are they get who's getting the points? The Saints. The Saints are getting points. Oh, just give me the Saints. Yeah, I'm go- I'm going to Saints in this one as well. Um, I don't know what JJ JJ is going to be healthy for this game. I would assume so, but I I have a big problem, and we're going to get into this game next. I want to skip over to this game. What happened to getting buys after a London game? Ravens home, getting three points. Steelers coming to town. Big Ben has not looked good in the two road games. Uh, he's 0-2. Struggled in Cleveland. Struggled in, uh, where do you go? Chicago. In his last five games against the Ravens, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. He struggled. And I'm going to take I know the Ravens look terrible. Absolutely dreadful. At a point where they bench Joe Flacco. Give me the Ravens to win this game. Outright. This is a grudge match. These two teams don't like each other. I generally take the home team. Give me the Ravens. Give me Pittsburgh in this one. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers. Oh, oh, yeah? Okay. I don't see how that works out. I believe Joe took the Steelers as well. I I, assume, I would assume so. Um, He did send me his text, but I cannot get to them at the moment. Um, Steven, still the Falcons. What's the spread on this one? Eight, eight, eight points point still. Did not move. Uh, I, I'm going to go... Atlanta wins this one, but the Bills cover. Eight points, really. Team can't score for a lot. It did score on the Broncos defense just last week. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I'm going to go Atlanta, but Buffalo covers. You know, they beat the Broncos last last week. The week before, the Broncos demolished the Cowboys. I don't know what I don't know what to do anymore, honestly. Give me the Falcons. What I do know is the Falcons to score at home. Give me the Falcons with the eight points. I'll give you a score 31 to 10. They're going to blow them out. Okay. Give me the Falcons at home. Next we have... Cincinnati right. and Cleveland. Game of the week. Oh, yeah. Both teams 0-3. Oh, Cincinnati favored by three points. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Cleveland here. Mm. Cincinnati is horrible. I don't think Eifert's playing again. He's not going to be playing for a while. He's out indefinitely, my friend. I'm going Cleveland in this one, and I'm kicking them out right. Um, give me the Bengals. Vontaze Burfitt, because that spark, although he's a knucklehead, we know. That spark on that defense is back, and I think that's going to translate well for the Bengals. I know Eifert's out, but Andy Dalton didn't look awful without him. He still has A.J. Green. He still has Joe Mixon. He still has those other uh, Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Um, and uh, I'm looking for John Ross, you know, the burner out of Washington, top 10 pick, to have a bigger game this week. So give me the Bengals with three points in Cleveland. I'm a little nervous, but uh, give it to me. Next game, we have L.A. Rams. In, in doubt. Let me go because you know how how enamored I was with the Rams coming into this coming into this year. I didn't think they make the playoffs. I think they win eight or nine games, right? Seven and a half points is way too many. It's six and a half. Six and a half now. It's still too many in my opinion. I think it's a three point game. This is a, did you see the way Carson Palmer threw on this defense last week? Do you know who leads the league in points this year? It's the LA Rams, man. Jared Goff looks night and day with this new with this new coaching staff, new regime, new offense, new weapons. Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins. Give me the Rams to cover 27-24. Cowboys win the game. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I was just going to – I wish I went first, though, so it doesn't look like I'm a copycat. But we just stop saying that word? What are we, 12? Come on. <laughs> I'm going Dallas to win this one. Rams cover. Steven, next game. Texans home against the Titans. Hosting the Titans. Titans are favored by two and a half. Ooh. The division games, I like to take the home teams. I'm going to stick with that philosophy. The Titans, they 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 demolished. Listen, they took 
they took the Seahawks, they bent them over, and they gave them a big whooping last week. But on the road, Deshaun Watson went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in a sense. In Foxborough. Um, Give me the Texans in a division game at home. No, this is a tough game. This is, this is, this top is a really tough game. one because, like you said, Deshaun Watson played probably his best game so far. Obviously, he's only played two two games. Two full games, yeah. Two full games. But he matched up against Tom Brady. That game should have been the now, te- Texans game. Now, the defense did, for the Texans, did come up with a couple big uh, big turnovers as well. But Watson did play well. Give me, give me Texans. I'll, I'll take the Texans in this one. All right, next game, Steven. Minnesota favored by two. Bradford is ruled out. Obviously, it didn't make a difference last week, but division game, they are at home. Division game could be different. See where you're going with this one. The Lions coming to Minnesota. Oh, I'm taking the Lions all the way. I, without Sam, Sam Bradford, forget it. I mean. Oh, yeah. I said that last week. Look how that worked out. But, you know, some guys that have actually performed, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, you know, they've definitely put up, put up some numbers. Uh, oh, they look fantastic. They, they look good, but I'm going to go with the Lions. Matthew Stafford just had an unbelievable start to his, his young season. They, they, that receiving core in Thielen and Diggs might be the best early on in the season, the best two in the in the league. It's not a coincidence that Stafford, aside from the thumb injury, but after he, after he sustained the thumb injury, he not looked that great. And going back two years ago when Jim Bob Cooter took over as the offensive coordinator, he has looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Give me Stafford. They got cheated out of the game last year. And I mean cheated. Uh, I think they're going to come in angry. I think Minnesota's going to come in with a little bit of swagger, but maybe a little bit of cockiness as well. Give me the Lions on the road with no Bradford. I think I don't think Case, Case Keenum can't do that two weeks in a row. Kenny, I, 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 I can't see it. I refuse to believe it. So give Next me game. Lions. Next game, we have the Panthers in Foxborough against the Patriots. Patriots favored by nine and a half points. Yeah, let me, give me the pass to win 30 to 20. I've been telling you about the That's regression. Close. I've been telling you about the regression of Cam Newton since last year. Um, he had career lows in passer rating, completion percentage last year, QBR. It has not gotten better. I, I mean, and I know he's coming up with shoulder surgery. Now there's no Greg Olson. I don't believe Calvin Benjamin is going to play in this game. Give me the Patriots. I know the Patriots defense has been just unbelievably bad, but they're at home. When it comes to the NFC teams, they usually have success, though. Even the Pats to win by 10. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Uh, at least 10 points here. I mean, Carolina, at first, Cam Newton did look okay week one. But it, he's also not 100% healthy. Like I, I've been saying every week, he's just, like you said, he's regressed the past few years. I'm going Tom Brady and the Patriots here. The next game. The next game of the week, Stephen, aside from the Browns and the Bengals. 49ers on the road going to uh, Arizona to face the Cardinals. Cardinals favorite by seven and a half. Ladies first, go ahead. Well, I'm first, first of all, I'm not picking the 49ers because I'm pissed at Carlos Hyde because I've benched him the past three weeks and he's put up 25 points a game. If he, hold up, if he ran the way he did against the Seahawks defense, why wouldn't you play him the next week against the Rams? Because I have other, well, now I'm playing him because now I have Montgomery. Done. Uh, that was your first mistake. Go ahead before someone calls and rips you for playing. Ah, go ahead. But I'm going with the Cardinals here, and I, I'm taking the points, and Cardinals are winning. I, I don't understand you. Give me the Cardinals to win. Um, 49ers covered. They look so good. Did Jekyll and Hyde in that game against Monday night against the Cowboys? It was unbelievable. Um, I think you're going to see the same type of game. They're going to look good for stretches, and, and then Carson Palmer is just going to look 
you know, high high 30s in some stretches. So, uh, give me the Cardinals. It's also a division game, obviously. Give me the Cardinals to win 49ers cover. Next game, we have the Eagles at Chargers. I'm giving my Chargers cap on this one, man. Um, this is a basically a pick em game. Yeah, you know what? Carson Wentz didn't look good towards the Kansas end of the Kansas City game last week. Struggled against the Giants last week. I mean, if he didn't have his running game that, that, that day against the Giants last week, I mean, he, he played in a game that he should have lost. I mean, let's be honest. The Giants, he didn't beat the Giants. The Giants beat themselves. Now he's got to go. You know how I feel about the East Coast to West Coast, Steve. Give me the Chargers to win at home. They get their first win. That's kind of what I was going towards. But I'm not – I'm going to go with the Eagles. I just have a lot of confidence in Carson Wentz. I think he's really had – so far, a good season like I predicted in the offseason. I thought Wentz was going to be a top top five quarterback in the NFC. He's proved to, you know, put up some good numbers and definitely get some touchdowns. Uh, get connections with Alshon Jeffrey. You know, I'm going to go with the Eagles uh, winning this one. All right. Steven, another division game. Oh, this one's going to be good. This one's nationally televised, I believe. Raiders at Broncos. Raiders are getting three points on the road at mile high. Steven, where are you going with this one? Both teams look awful last week. Raiders. That's it. I'm on Raiders. Why, Why do you guys steal my thunder like that? You like quick with uh, get give me give me Oakland. Um, both teams looked really bad last week, but uh, this is my Super Bowl pick, man. They gotta they gotta find win somewhere. So give me the give me the Colts. Uh, excuse me, give me the Raiders. Although Amari Cooper has been dropping a lot, oh a lot of catches. I think he leads the league in it. But next game, Colts at Seahawks. Easy one spreads at thirteen. I mean, I'm going Seattle blowout here. Primetime game. Seattle's going to come out with some fire, and they finally Although, get it done. you know, Brissett has looked pretty good. Yes, but, I mean, now you go from going up against the Browns to it's Seattle. the best defense in the league. Um, next game, Monday night game, Washington in Kansas City. I'm going with the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Points, uh, Chiefs are favored by seven. I'm going with Kansas City going four and out here. I can't trust Kirk Cousins right now. I know he looked up last week against that Raiders defense. I Told you the Raiders' defense isn't good. Kansas City is a different story. Kareem Hunt averaging 134 yards a game. So far, MVP. Eight and a half. Opinion. Yeah, but it's week four. That's going to come down slowly but surely. But eight and a half yards a carry. Give me a break. Um, give me the give me the Chiefs with the seven. Was it seven points now? Went down by half yeah. a point. Give me the Chiefs seven points. Steven, the team that lost me a lunch last week, the Jets home getting three points or three and a half points. Three and a half. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, three and a half points. These lines are just changing on me. Uh, against the Jaguars, again, I really do have an issue with the team not getting a buy after a London game, especially going on the road. It bothers me, but team, and I'll let you start off. I'm going with the Jets uh, to win this one. Made him, uh, Jets are going to go get two straight wins. Yeah, uh, Jacksonville did play well in London, as they always do, but Jets coming off a win last, year, last week, going to have some confidence going into this one. I'm going with the Jets. Jacksonville wins by a touchdown. The pass rush destroys Josh McCown. I just hope he doesn't get hurt in this. Huh. Yeah, I just I, – I, I can't, you know, don't want to see him get hurt. But um, Leonard Fournette's going to run the ball very well and look for Blake Bortles to play a clean game. Give me the Jaguars. Steven, that is our week four NFL picks. And, of course, you got to show some love, man. I mean, come on. All right. Joe Cusimano's picks. Joe has the Colts. Wow. Got the Colts covering. Atlanta. Arizona with the points. Jags, pick it against his team. New England with the points. Dallas, uh, pick a New Orleans. St. 
Cincinnati, Baltimore. Oh, I was wrong about that. I misjudged that. I thought Joe was going with the Steelers. Tennessee, Detroit, Philly. He's going with you, Steve. Oakland, he agrees with us. And Kansas City, he agrees with both of us as well. So um, I see no Giants pick there. So maybe I, I think that's just his, his way of well, saying. Here's what Joe we love right now. He's on the way to AC. His, so his way of saying. What that has anything to do with it? Yeah, maybe that's just his way of saying he's going, we're going on for it. Steve, we've got five minutes left in the show. Wanted to get into a little bit of baseball talk. Um, we got playoffs coming next week. Now, if, if the Yankees don't win this game on, I believe it's Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it's Tuesday, I deem it as a failure. Um, people are asking me, well, if they're one game back of the playoffs, should you start separating on Sunday? No, 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 no. This should – you swept this team. They have, You have given them so much trouble over the past – how many years? The past decades of twins. Urban Santana does not match up to – um, Luis Severino. And you know what? If you got to go into a battle of the bullpen, saying, I dare you to go. I, I was watching a game. I can't remember. There's one guy with the last name Presley. And Bilal, Matt Bilal is their closer. The, the, the Twins' deep, or excuse me, the Twins' bullpen is atrocious. The Yankees win this game easily. I got no, I have no, I no second thoughts. No, same here with me. I think the Yankees actually do move on. I think they, the Yankees can get far into the playoffs. It's just, there are some tough teams. Obviously, we have the Indians, Houston, who are going to battle, you know. I think they could really have a good run in this playoff, in this postseason. But the Yankees, I, I'll consider it a failure, too. No, because no one, but no one did expect them to get this far. That's the only no, thing. No, but you changed expectations when you tr- made those two trades before the deadline. So now it's officially a failure. If they don't. Also, I have to give you credit on something. What? Aaron Judge did hit his 50th home run, and I didn't think he would do it. He's just going to do it. Steven, at some point I, after August, coming into September, I didn't think he was going to do it. He looked so incredibly bad, but he had an insane month of September. So, by the way, Messi Hero Tanaka's 13 strikeouts and 88 pitches on the Blue Jays. Unbelievable. It's only the sixth inning. So, um, let's get right into it real quick. I mean, let's just get, get our postseason predictions. Steven, quickly. Um... Red Sox and Astros, where are you going? I'm going with the Astros in that one. I didn't ask you about the Diamondbacks series, though. Uh, you see the Diamondbacks playing game. Probably playing the Rockies. It's going to be in Arizona. I'll go with Arizona. I mean, well, what, what does he get to be so aggressive for? Because I know you're obsessed with Arizona. I, I have a lot of obsessions with, with the Diamondbacks right now. You just get these random obsessions with these teams. I don't understand. Right now it. it's the Jaguars. I don't know why. But <laughs> yeah, Blake Bortles. Great, uh, great quarterback. You know, I love Blake Bortles. All right, where are you going with this uh, Red Sox series? I'm going to go with Houston in that one. Out. I just think Altuve's a monster. He's going to be a monster this postseason. Not only He's that. the MVP. Not only that. Sale and Keiko or Verlander. Verlander. It's fine. But, I mean, after Sale, Porcello. Price is in the bullpen. What does that tell you? What does that, what does that say? What do the, what the Red Sox think about Price? That Doug Fister and Eduardo Rodriguez are ahead of them in depth chart. You definitely don't want Price pitching in the postseason. That's for sure. No. So, give me the, give me the Astros. Um... You know, we both think the Yankees are going to win against the Indians. Yeah. We're going to get more into it next week, obviously. If they win this game, we don't want to assume. But, Stephen, if it does end up that scenario, where are you going with that series? With what? The Yankees and the Indians. I think that's going to be a very, you know, a tough series for both teams. Cleveland probably has a better pitching staff. Uh, it's tough. I, I would uh, – Probably have to go Cleveland in this one. This series is going to be a lot closer than I thought it would be a month ago that it came to this scenario. 
The pitching can go pound for pound with it, but clean with the experience, they just look hungry. So I would take the Indians in four or five games. It's going to be right. lengthy. It's going to be lengthy, right. but I think the Yankees get overwhelmed. Um, and the other Nationals and Cubs. <laughs> this is Nationals team, Stephen. Finally going to win a playoff series. I think the Cubs look too good right now. I'm gonna, uh, I'm not saying that as a biased Mets fan. I mean, Nationals are getting Harper back, but I, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna have to go with the Cubs in this one. I, I don't think they're gonna repeat, but I think the Cubs you know make a splash. Hot take: I think Scherzer and Strasburg will them, will them to the series win because outside of that, I'm not sure. But a healthier, I don't know if Ariad is healthy right now with his hamstring injury. John Lester has looked better. I'm going to take the Nationals to win this series in five games. Both bullpens concern me, but I think uh, Harper's back. It will be a spark. Steven, uh, we both believe the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Why don't you go first? I'm going to go with the Dodgers in that one. I mean, the Dodgers just – I understand they went on a really bad streak at the end of the regular season, but let's not forget what they did in the middle of the season. I would take the, Do- the Dodgers in five in that one. The, Do- the Dodgers had – one of the best streaks that I, I mean, in it was insane. season history. The Diamondbacks win the series in four games. And I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you another one. Diamondbacks win the series in four games. Look for Robbie Ray to have that Jacob DeGrom type start that he did against the, the, uh, Clayton Kershaw two years ago in LA. Can I tell you something? Four games. Fun? Yeah. You're insane. Four games. You want to, you want, you want more insanity, Steven, since we, we're basically out of time? Cleveland's coming out of the AL. I think we. I, yeah, Cleveland. No. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, just uh, go ahead. Who do you think's coming out of the AL? Houston or Houston? Houston. Okay. I'm go Houston. Cleveland. Who you got coming out of the NL? Dodgers. I'm gonna flip flop you. I'm going Cleveland. The Arizona Diamondbacks will be representing the National League in the World Series. Houston wins the World Series. Cleveland will go back and finish the job. And we're going to talk about that more next week, but we didn't want to, you know, say Cleveland's up by 1-0 or Cleveland's down by 1-0. Oh, yeah, I got the Yankees. I got the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it the whole time. No. Uh, Mike drop Cleveland, Arizona, Stephen, Houston, and the Dodgers. We'll see you next week, everyone. Thank you again, Art Staple, uh, for coming on with us and uh, talking hockey. Um you can start next week. Stephen, by this time next week, we will have seen regular season hockey. So very excited. Very excited, Errol. Great show. If you if you get a chance, listen to the show on SoundCloud, on Facebook, Twitter. You'll find it on Instagram. You'll be you'll be sure to find our show. And if you missed it and you really need to listen to it right now, you could obviously you can go right up to go on I I ninety five Sports Network, go into the recorded section and uh and check that out. So have a great week everybody. Watch on the I ninety five Sports Network. We'll talk to you guys next week.